0: welcome to the Kingdom Church podcast. We are honored that you took the time to listen to this message. It is the sixth and final message in our series. There's more to the story. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, enjoy. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're in the last part of our David series. Can you guys believe that? It's been six weeks, so get ready to put your hands together. This is officially the longest series we've had here at Kingdom Church. Let's go. Has anyone been enjoying it at all? Man, this series is so good. There's so much more to the story. Um, And and we're going to leave David for now. We're going to come back to him at some point, I'm sure. But I just want to let you guys know, next week we're starting a brand new series called Under Pressure. And this series is all about anxiety and stress and just the pressure that we feel in life. And so if you feel like you're going through things right now, I wanna encourage you, come back next week as we start this new series called Under Pressure. It's gonna be good. You guys all know the song, right? There we go. No. No, I cannot. Uh, If you're new here, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor and we're just so glad that you took the time to be here this morning. I don't believe that you're here by accident. I think that God ordained you to be here for a purpose and for a reason. He's gonna speak to us this morning. He's got a word for us. We're finishing our David series. We're in part six. As we start, I wanna read a Bible verse just to kind of get us going in the direction that we're going in. If you've been with us through this series, this sermon this morning is gonna be a little bit different than what we've done so far. We're gonna see a different part of David's story. So we're gonna be in Psalm 51. David wrote this. It says this in verse one. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression, and my sin is always before me. I wanna share the title of our message this morning, then we're gonna get started. Uh, Our title this morning for the talk is Missing the Mark. Missing the Mark. Touch the person next to you and ask him, have you, have you ever missed before? Now, I wanna, I wanna start this message uh, with an observation about people, and you guys can tell me if you agree, but one thing I've realized about people is that we as people have a difficult time admitting when we're wrong. And like, I totally get it for you guys who are wrong, I'm never wrong. It must be tough to admit when you're wrong. But I I think it's part of the human condition. And um, I just kind of want to tell a story, but I need to preface this story by saying I love my wife. I I love this girl. It's her birthday today. Let's go. She's got twins coming in two weeks, double trouble. Uh, I love her, I honor her, I respect her, but I got to tell this story. You guys okay? She knows it's coming, so she's all all right, but we we as people have a difficult time admitting when we're wrong, and like any of your guys' spouses have a difficult time admitting when they're wrong? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) So you need a little context for this story. Christy and I, uh, we got our house that we currently live in. We got it right before we got married, and uh, one thing that she did was she was the kind of the one that decided what our room was going to look like. Because, like, at that point, like, I wasn't married, so I wasn't as ingrained in HGTV as you are after you're married. Um, And plus, I had never heard of an accent wall. So I just, I let her, Heather loves HGTV, she knows what I'm talking about. Um, I I didn't, I just, I let her do her thing, because, like, whatever. But very specifically, she chose everything, but I was right there alongside her as we picked up stuff and as we inevitably uh, painted our room. And so our room is white, and we have a black accent wall. Can you guys all picture this? And so everything in our room is either black or white. But we have hints of gold because feng shui, am I right? <laughs> and so the only thing in our room that is not black or white, we have this one chair that's like kind of like an off blue. And the reason it's not black is because it was at Ikea. And when you see a good deal at Ikea, you can't let that go. You just got to get it, even if it's not the exact color. Um, you guys ever been to Ikea before? <laughs> and so that's our room. It's black and it's white. Everything in our room is black. Our sheets are black. We have this big poster over our bed that Christy and I painted ourselves because we realized abstract paint is a rip-off when we can do it ourselves. <laughs> and so I painted this thing myself. I know what color it is. It's black and it's white. And so about a year and a half ago, something really strange happened. I was in the shower and I was like, Christy, I was like, can you pass me my towel? And she's like, yeah, which one? And I was like, the black one. And she was like, we don't have a black towel. There's a blue one. And I'm like, I was just confused. I'm in the shower, I'm warm and bubbly, and I'm just like, (laughs) so I'm like, whatever, just pass me the towel. And so she passes me the towel and the towel's black. And so I'm like, okay, and I get out of the shower and I'm like, Chris, I was like, you realize this towel is black, right? And she's like, no, it's blue. And I'm like, it's black. And I'm thinking to myself, like, remember that picture that came out with the dress a little while ago? I'm like, maybe it's one of those situations. (laughs) But, like, everything in our room is color-coded, black and white. And so I was like, okay, we're arguing for a little while, but then I had, like, the undeniable truth I was going to hit her with, the truth bomb and the finisher. And I'm like, Chris, if everything in our room is black and white... Why would we get blue towels? Logic, right? And I think the argument's gonna end. I think she's gonna submit to me. But she did something very strange. She said, Harrison, our room isn't black and white. Our room is white and dark blue. I'm like, no, it's black and white. Just like this situation is black and white. And then so she said, what about that chair? What color is the chair? And I'm like, the, co- the chair is blue. I was like, it's the only blue thing in our room. And then she just got crazy. I'm like, I, and so I went to her and I was like, what color are these sheets? Because we have black and white sheets. She's like, they're bl- she's like, they're dark blue and white. I'm like, this is black. And I'm like, what color is the wall? She's like, it's a dark blue. And I'm like, this is black. I painted this wall. I painted this painting. And it was just crazy. And and this story, the reason I'm telling you it, because it's just, I'm showing us the lengths that we as people will go sometimes to not admit that we're wrong. Like sometimes we have to tell stories about other people because we can't share stories about ourselves (laughs) admitting (laughs) in times that we've been wrong. But the room is black and white and uh, (laughs) anyone that's been to my house can attest to that. The Lord almost choked that water down my throat. As as punishment. (laughs) Um, Can I give this to you? Everyone, everyone is invited. (laughs) But you see, what I've realized is that as people, we have a difficult time admitting when we're wrong. And we're all like this to a certain extent. We're all like this in certain situations. But the thing that's so interesting is that as people, we have a difficult time admitting that we're wrong. But the irony of the whole situation is that more often than not, we as people are wrong. Have you guys realized that? You guys won't raise your hand because I understand the human condition. But more often than not, we are wrong. And what happens in life is instead of admitting we're wrong, a lot of times we'll just try to avoid it. And what happens is things begin to compound. And this is sort of where I want to go this morning. I want to look at this idea of what do we do when we miss the mark? What do we do when we fall short? This morning we're talking about a word, and for a lot of times it can make people uncomfortable. It's this word of sin. You guys heard this word sin before? For some people, you kind of clench up a little bit. But we're going to talk about sin, and what do we do when we sin in our lives? What do we do? And here's the crazy thing about the word sin. The word sin, when you really break it down in the original language, all it means is to miss the mark. So I want to ask this question, I want to answer this question, what do we do when we miss the mark? And I want to even take some time and just ask ourselves, how can we even avoid missing the mark? Here's the reality. Every single one of us falls short. We're all going to fall short. We're all going to sin. And so no one should feel uncomfortable. No one should feel like that person beside me is better than I am because we all miss the mark. And so here's what I want to do, though. It's not even so much how do we avoid missing the mark. It's what do we do when we miss the mark. And that's what I want to do this morning. And so like we've been doing in this whole series, we're going to be looking through David's life. David, for the last five weeks, if you've been here, if you have not, it's okay. Today's message will still make sense. But David throughout this series has been painted as the hero. We've seen this, right? Last week, man, what a word that was from the Lord. And David pointed us to Jesus. And what we've said throughout this series is that David is a man after God's own heart. But what we're going to see this morning is we have to make a very important distinction. David is a man after God's own heart, but he's not God. He's still a man. David points us to Jesus, but he's not Jesus. He's just a man, and so what that means is that David, like the rest of us, is prone to missing the mark. He's prone to falling short, and that's what we're going to see in our story this morning. I'll give us a quick recap just to kind of figure out where we are. Last week, we saw David was in a cave. What we're doing this week, we're skipping about 15 chapters, and I want to encourage you uh, to to read the story yourself because there's so much more to the story, and we cannot cover everything. Otherwise, we'd be here till like 2020 just going through david's life so i want to encourage you catch up because we're we're skipping a lot of the story but where we pick up our story david is finally the king of israel saul has died and david is in the position that god promised him all those years ago and david's reign as king starts much like his life before he was king god was with him Everywhere David went, he prospered. The Bible tells us that every single battle that David waged, God was with him and he won. Come on, somebody. And this has been a mark of David's whole life. Wherever David walks, the Lord is there before him. And so as David is king, his kingdom begins to grow. David's fame begins to grow, but most importantly, the name of God is becoming more famous because everyone knows you do not mess with the God of Israel. And so everything's going great. We got the context? David is king. This is where I pick up our story. I'm going to read 2 Samuel chapter 11 if you want to follow along. It'll be on the screen behind us. It says, In the springtime, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Come on, somebody. (laughs) The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent a messenger to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Some will say, oh, no. Now, in case you didn't get it, what happens here is David sleeps with another man's wife. The word for that is adultery, and so David commits adultery. And if you've been with us through this series, and I had this feeling as I read this story, this can be tough to read. Because David has been painted as such a hero, a man after God's own heart, and then he falls. And and this is just a side note. I realized something as I was reading this. Have you guys ever looked up to someone that has fallen? Like you had a great respect for them. I've realized something in life. And this is a side note I just wanted to share. It's apart from the sermon. I think the reason that so many people with a platform fall is because what happens is we as people worship the platform. And what happens is no man is able or worthy of worship. And so what happens as men and as people, they will crumble under the pressure of worship because only God is able to be worshiped. Only God can handle the glory. And so this is just a side note, next time your favorite celebrity falls, you kind of have a background, there's more to the story. But for a lot of us as we read this, this can be very difficult, because what is happening is David, a man after God's own heart, has fallen. We can all see this, whether you have a faith background or not, it's kind of funny, that's the one thing that most people agree is wrong, to sleep with someone else's wife. And so what happens though, what I want us to see, I want us to look at the bigger picture of what's happening in the story. Because what's happening in this story, the Bible gives us details. And this is very, very helpful as you read the Bible, because in the Bible, nothing is trivial. And so there's something in these first four verses that we read that actually set up the situation and set up the context for which David falls. And I want to share them with you. It's this. In verse 1, it says this. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. So what's happened is this. In the wintertime, the people didn't battle because it's cold and it's wet and it just wasn't prime time. And so the armies would take the whole winter off. But in the spring, the battle began again. Everyone following? And so the Bible tells us that in the spring, when kings go off to war, David stayed at home. David stayed at home. Now, there's something we need to understand about this because the Bible is trying to paint us a bigger picture. And you see verse 1 is setting up the context for verses 2 to 4. If we don't get verse 1, we don't understand verse 2 to 4. You see, what the Bible is letting us know is that David should have been at war. Now understand this. David did not have to be at war because he's the king, and he can do whatever he wants. But the Bible is pointing us in a direction, and it's saying David should have been at war. How many of you guys know you can do everything, but not everything is good for you? David should, you see, what I want us to see is that for every single time in our lives that we fall short, there's a greater context. Everyone following? There's a context. And I want to share this because I think for a lot of us, there's many people, and we think that the struggles that we have in our lives, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a mindset, maybe it's a person, come on somebody. A lot of us, we think that when we miss the mark, it's an incident that happens in isolation. But what I want us to see is that there is always a larger context. David should have been at war, but instead he was at home, chilling. I want to read his verse 2 again, if we can see it. It says, One evening, when David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace, and he walked around on the roof of the palace, while he was on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and so David sent someone to find out about her. So, I'm just going to set up more context, because context is important. Everyone following? When the Bible says David woke up in the evening, what that means is David has woken up from his afternoon nap. Come on, somebody. Let's go, king. Now, I I, I need to, I'm trying to unpack something here. There is absolutely nothing wrong with naps. Sometimes naps can be life-saving, but the right thing at the wrong time. (laughs) The right thing at the wrong time can often lead to the wrong thing. And so David's taking a nap. There's nothing sinister going on here. He gets up from his nap and he sees a woman across the road. Why Bathsheba was taking a bath on her roof, scholars are baffled. (laughs) But one of the things that I think the reason she was there is because for her, most of the men are at war. And so she's thinking to herself, it's okay. You see, Bathsheba is doing nothing wrong. David, up until this point, is doing nothing wrong. But what I'm trying to get us to see is the larger context. Because what happens in life, the reason that so many of us miss the mark over and over and over again is because we do not realize that our shortcoming and our sin has a larger context. There's more to the story. Nothing happens in isolation." And so what happens, David sees this woman, and all we know about her is that she's got it going on. And so David's like, bring her over to me. And the Bible says that he finds out exactly who she was, but David does not stop, and David goes, and he sleeps with her. You see, this is greater context of what's happening in the story. What's so interesting in this moment, what I think happens, and the reason that David falls into sin, is because for David, for the very first time in his life, David has been a man of purpose, but in this moment, David chose pleasure. His purpose as a king was to go and to fight. But David said, I'm going to choose pleasure. And so what happened is that David chose pleasure over purpose, and this led to his fall. What's so interesting, if you're with us in about week three, we said because David was always walking with the Lord, we said purpose chased him. But as soon as David starts walking in pleasure, what happened was that sin chased him situations followed him, bad things happened. You see, I'm trying to paint a bigger picture, and I'm gonna get to our first point right here. Oftentimes, when we miss the mark, this is what happened. There is a larger context. Everyone following that? Our lives as people, we work in patterns. It's a pattern, it's a pattern, it's a pattern. And so in our lives, if we want to begin to ask ourselves, how can I not miss the mark? Because I know there are people here this morning, and maybe you feel like, man, I've been struggling with the same thing for so long. It's the same sin, and I prayed, and I prayed, but it's not going away. It's the same. It's just, it's not, my mindset won't change. What I want us to say is this. There is a larger context to our problems, and so what we need to do is we need to identify the pattern. We need to identify the patterns in our lives and ask ourselves, what is the bigger picture looking like? Because if we never know why we act the way we do, we'll never be able to change our behavior. You see, for David, if he just thought to himself, it's the wrong place at the wrong time, this is just a random incident, he cannot identify the problem. You see, his problem was that he was, he was chasing pleasure instead of purpose. But for so many of us, we have a bigger problem when it comes to our issues that we need to identify and we need to figure out. It's, it's kind of like this. Have you guys ever seen the old Mars Bars commercials? Anyone remember these ones? You're not yourself when you're hungry? Snickers. That's what I meant. Did I say, what did I say, Mars bars? Snickers. Um, and, and my favorite one is the one with Betty White. Have you guys seen that one? And they're all playing football, and it's a group of guys, but then Betty White's there. And it's a funny commercial because Betty White, she's getting absolutely smoked by the guys. Like, they're just tackling her, and <laughs> she's just getting rocked. And then one of the guys comes over to Betty White, and he's like, hey, man. He's like, you're playing like Betty White out there. <laughs> and then he's like, here. He's like, have a sni- what, Snickers. <laughs> He's like, have a Snickers. He's like, you're not yourself when you're hungry. And then he takes a bite, and then becomes a man again. And uh, Snickers had this campaign going for a long time. which says, you're not yourself when you're hungry, right? And it's funny because the commercial is catchy, and I remember it years later. But I think there's actually a deep truth in that, in that commercial, right? You're not yourself when you're hungry. Because what happens in life, we as people, we work in patterns. And for some of us, let's be honest, hunger leads us to do things we regret, Anyone been hangry before? Come off, somebody. But, but for a lot of us, maybe it's not hunger, but maybe there is a deeper pattern in our life that we need to identify. Maybe you're not yourself when you're stressed out. Maybe you're not yourself when you're under pressure. You see, what happens for so many of us is sin, listen to this, sin is just the prescription for unchecked patterns. The reason that we fall into things is because we never identify the pattern. And so you can say to yourself, well, I'm going to stop cold turkey. I'm not going to go to that website. I'm not going to drink anymore. But what happens, if you never identify the, prescri- the, the pattern, you're always going to go back to the only prescription you've ever known, which is sin. And that's why we fall short. And so as a people, we need to begin to identify the patterns. I think the reason so many of us struggle is because we're trying to fight the wrong battles. If you're trying to fight against the sin, But the pattern still remains. You're never going to have victory. And so we need to begin to take a look at the bigger picture. Because here's the reality when it comes to falling short and when it comes to missing the mark. If we have a deficit in our lives, whatever it is, call it loneliness, call it stress, call it hunger, what happens is sin feels good, whatever that thing is. I'm not here to tell you it doesn't feel good. I'm going to be honest with you. I bet you David and Bathsheba, I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) The things in our lives that we do, it's not like they feel bad. Because if it felt bad, we wouldn't do it. But here's the thing I want us to understand. It's just a prescription. It's not a solution. And so if you keep on doing the same things, whatever your pattern is, you're always going to come up in a deficit. And you're gonna need more, and you're gonna need more, and you're gonna need more. I love Proverbs chapter 9, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Look what it says it says, Stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know the dead are there, and her guests are in the deep realm of the dead. You know what it's saying? It's saying those things that we run to, the reason we run to them is because they feel good. The reason we run to the bottle is because it feels good. The reason we run to the internet, to Bethsheba.com, is because it feels good. If it didn't feel good, we wouldn't do it. But what the Bible is letting us know is that it's fleeting. It's not going to last forever, and we're not going to have eternal victory. It's just temporary. Hidden water tastes good for a while, but there's something more. And so what happens is if we never get to the root of our issues, what happens is we're going to always go back for more. And we're going to get caught in this cycle of sin and in this this cycle of shame. And look what happens next. This is so interesting. Because for David and and for a lot of us, you guys ever been there where it's like, I'm just going to do this one thing and that's it? It's a one-time thing. It's a one-off thing. It's a one-last-time thing. For David, he's thinking to himself, this is just a a one-hit wonder. It's going to be quick. The Bible even says David lets her go. He sends her back. But what happens next in 2 Samuel 11, it says, The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. How many of you guys watch Days of Our Lives? (laughs) You guys wonder where the storylines come from, 2 Samuel. But I love the Bible because the Bible Bible reflects reality, right? So many of us who have been in situations where it's like, ask me a one-time thing. I'm not going to do it ever again. But what happens with sin is it just begins to build up. And it compounds. And so David has this quick solution, but now he has an eternal problem because Bathsheba is pregnant. And what happens next is this. The reality in life is this, friends. Every single one of us missed the mark. And I believe the way that we do not miss the mark is we identify the patterns in our lives. And if we can can identify the patterns, if we can begin to have victory in those situations, we will begin to see change in our lives. But for so many of us, I kind of want to shift this sermon now. That's what we do. That's how we avoid missing the mark. But for a lot of us, you're in a situation right now and you already feel like you've missed the mark. And so in life, it's a lot of times not so much what we do, it's how we respond to what we've just done. And so David here in this moment, what's so interesting is David has a choice to make. Because Bathsheba, what he did in secret is soon going to be very public. And the Bible lets us know something. It says everything that we do in secret will one day be shown in public. Just in case we're trying to hide something right now, the Bible lets us know it's not going to last forever. And so David has a choice here. He can either confront it or he can hide from it. Listen to this, friends. Whenever we miss the mark, and maybe it's going to be tonight, maybe it's going to be tomorrow, we have two options. We either confront it or we hide from it. What David chooses to do, David chooses to hide. Again, this is so different than the David that we've seen but I'm gonna share something about sin and what it does to us. And so what happens is David comes up with a plan. All the men are at war, but Sheba's wife is at war, and so David says, I'm gonna call Uriah, her husband, home. I'm gonna give him a little bit of a break, a little bit of a booty call, and he's gonna come home, and he's gonna sleep with Bathsheba. That's his plan. He's like, if I bring him home from war, what's the first thing you do when you come home from war? You gotta say hello to your wife. And so David calls just Uriah home from war, But something very interesting happens. The Bible says that Uriah refused to go home and sleep with his wife. And he does something very righteous. He says, I'm not going to go and sleep with my wife. How can I go and enjoy the pleasure with my wife when my men are at war? How this must have burned David. Because David was supposed to be at war. And so again, and I want us to see something, because this is how God works. In every situation, every circumstance in our life, God will give us a way to escape. He'll give us a chance to come forward, He'll give us a chance to come clean. Because guess what, friends? Sin cannot live in the darkness. Sorry, it cannot live in the light, but it thrives in darkness. And so all we have to do is come forward and confess. It's as simple as that. What do we do when we miss the mark? We confess. We confess because the Bible tells us that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us. Come on, it's as easy as that. could preach a whole sermon like what do we do it's simple you confess every and so in this moment when Uriah does not sleep with his wife again David is confronted do I confront or do I hide but what happens once again is David chooses to hide and look what happens another plan it says at David's invitation he invited Uriah to come Uriah came and he ate and he drank with him and David made him drunk but in the evening Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. So David's new plan is like if he's not going to go, I'm going to get him a little tipsy and then he'll for sure go home. Again, the Bible is full of action. Full of action. You guys that's that's, that's like that's Netflix worthy right there. But Uriah doesn't go home. Once again, the plans of David are foiled. And once again, David has the opportunity to just confess. Confess, just, and just get it out into the open because with confession comes healing. But once again, instead of confronting it, David chooses to hide. And what happens with sin, what happens in sh- with shame, the more we hide it, the more it will build up. It builds and it builds and it builds. And look what happens next. It says, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to Uriah. In it he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is the fiercest. Then withdraw from him, so he will be struck down and die. So David puts Uriah to death. And Uriah is killed in battle. And it's so interesting because it's easy to just say David's a murderer. David's an adulterer. But there's more to the story. What we've seen is that there's a way of escape. What we've seen is that the reason David's there in the first place is because he has not identified his patterns. His patterns. But what happens, because he does not confront it, things just compound. And so here's the point I want us to make in life. How do, what do we do when we fall short? We confess. But listen, what we do not confess will inevitably and eventually compound. And it'll just get worse. And it'll get worse, and it'll get worse, and it'll get worse. And I want to speak to someone right now because there's a thing that I believe is called the shame cycle. And here's how the shame cycle works. When we, are, when we feel shameful, when we feel like we missed the mark, our human reaction, our human, just everything in us says, let's hide. let's hide. Let's hide, let's hide, let's hide, let's ignore it. But what happens when we ignore it, when we hide from shame, the shame does not dissipate, it just grows more. And the more things are in the darkness, the more our shame begins to grow. And what happens, in order to get rid of that feeling of shame, we will do more and more things just to hide it. And so what happens we get caught in this vicious cycle. Because what we do not confess will inevitably compound. I'll tell you guys a story. When I was 16 years old, I may have shared this in church before, I don't know, Um, but uh, a group of friends and I, we were 16, uh, we went to a liquor store, Uh, he had a fake ID, come on somebody, Jesus saves. Um, And what happened, I was driving his car and I backed his car into a pole. And (laughs) that sucked because I was 16 years old, I had no money, and we were at a liquor store. And so, in that moment, it's funny because this story parallels David so much. All I had to do was just admit what I had done. Admit that I had fallen short. It would have been as simple as that. But instead what we did, we came up with a story. We said that I backed, into, backed his car into a pole at Wendy's. And, and the Wendy's was really not that close to the, to, the, uh, to the liquor store, but that's what we did. And it was so weird because what happened every single day is that I got caught in the shame cycle because I was hiding, I was hiding. I was hiding, and I had to tell people I was lying to them. I was lying to my family because I kept asking, what happened? And I had to lie, and so the shame grew more and more and more, and the guilt grew more and more and more. It just began to compound, and then something funny happened. My mom and my brother, I think, we were driving past that Wendy's, and my brother was like, hey, let's go look at the pool. <laughs> and in my mind, <laughs> like, there's no pool. This is what happens with shame, though, right? But look at how God works. Because, again, that's a way of escape. That's a way to come clean. But what happens, I didn't come clean. And we got to the parking lot, and we got to Wendy's, and there wasn't a pole in sight. And so the nearest pole was about, there was a nearest pole. It was like, it was a while away. And so we went over to the pole, and they were like, why would you park so far from Wendy's? And I, and I had to lie. And I was like, well, like, we wanted our exercise. And so... This sh- the shame just builds, and it builds, and it builds, and you get caught in the cycle. And every single day, I felt more and more guilty. And it's funny, because all we have to do is confess. But what happens, shame gets so deep into us, we think confession is impossible. And thankfully, what happened is that we inevitably had to go fill out a police report. And on the way to the police station, I realized, I don't think I can lie to the police. I might go to jail. And so I finally came clean. when I told my mom the story. And... Uh, nothing really bad happened except I was freed because I never felt that shame anymore because it was out in the open. But this is how it works, you see. There's a reason that God calls us to repent. A lot of us, when we hear the word repentance, we kind of get like, don't call me to change my life. But God calls us to repent not for him but for you and for me because it actually frees us. And what happens if we never do it, the shame cycle just builds and it builds and it builds. And so for David, what happens in this very worst state, he kills someone. And I want to speak to someone right now. If you're stuck in that cycle, I want you to know, if you never get out of that cycle, it's not going to go away. It's just going to compound. And it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. What happens next, the Bible tells us that, that God sends a messenger to David. After David has, killed, uh, has Uriah killed, David takes Bathsheba to be his wife. And so David is now living with her, and to to, to most people, they don't know the full story. It just thinks the king has taken a wife. But God knows the full story, and so what happens is God sends a messenger named Nathan. Nathan is a prophet, and Nathan comes, and he confronts David. And he gets to David's house. He knocks on the door, and he says, David, he says, can I tell you a story? And David's like, sure. And Nathan, the prophet, goes on to tell a story of how a rich man came and stole one sheep from a poor man. This rich man had many sheep, but he asked the poor man for his one sheep. And what happens is the rich man takes the poor man's one sheep, and he goes away. And, and what happens is David has this righteous indignation. The Bible says this. It says, David uh, burned with anger against this man when he heard this. And he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and has no pity. Listen to this. Often those people caught in the deepest sin are the harshest with other people. Remember that. This person must, because he had no pity. What we know is David has just taken Bathsheba as his wife as if nothing has happened. Look what happens next. The Bible says that Nathan said to David, you are the man. The is about you. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel, all of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you even more. Listen to this, friends. We don't have to go into deficit because God wants to give us more. We're chasing for things we don't need because God promises us more. He says, I would have given you Everything. But instead, you struck down Uriah the Hittite, you despised the word of the Lord, and you took his wife to be your own. You have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. David, in this moment, he begins to feel this great shame because his sin has been exposed. Because Nathan, the prophet, had the courage and the word from the Lord to confront David. And so David, as he sees this, what happens? You would think that it changes everything, that David goes deeper into shame. But what happens when shame is exposed, healing begins. And so I want to tell us something real quick. Every single one of us, we need a Nathan in our lives. We need someone that is not afraid to call us out. Do you guys know that? You see, we live in a world where we're afraid to step on people's toes. Well, I don't want to offend anyone. And that's fine. We shouldn't call out random people. Listen to this, Christians. You have no right to confront anyone that you do not know. That's not your ground. That's not your territory. Our job is not to convict people that we do not know. But here's the flip side of it. As a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you need someone in your life to keep you accountable. You do. You need someone in your life, get this, that loves you enough to say, hey, you missed the mark. Hey, We've talked a whole lot in this series about who we surround ourselves with. Listen to this, friends. You need to surround yourself with people that are for you, but will also speak life into you and call you out when you need to be called out. Accountability's hard because it hurts, but it's necessary. And you're saying, Harrison, where do I get that kind of accountability from? Because that sounds great, but I don't know where I find someone like that. Super easy, kingdom crews. <laughs> What's the kingdom crew? It's our version of small groups. We want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, start a small group or join a small group. The option is there for you, but you need people in your life that you walk together with because if you have no one that knows about you more than a surface level, what we'll do is our sins will just begin to be pushed away and we'll get caught in that cycle again. We need someone that loves us enough to call us out, to say, hey, you've missed the mark. Hey, I can see something you can't see. You know what's so interesting? Have you guys ever realized this? We're able to see everyone else's problems, everyone else's patterns. Like, it's easy to see, man, that person copes with food every single time. That person copes with women, that person copes with... We can see other people, but oftentimes our biggest blind spots is ourselves. We can't see our own shortcomings, and so we need people that can speak life into us. I'm so happy I have a group of people that can speak life into me. They can call me out, that aren't impressed by me in any way. And can say, hey, you've missed the mark. you got to get better. We all need that. And so Nathan confronts Samuel. I'm going to call just Annabelle up here because we're over time. She can just give us some vibes as we close. What happens is this, 2 Samuel chapter 12. It says, then David said to Nathan, look at this. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan calls him out, and for the very first time, David confesses. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. I have fallen short. Listen to this, friends. I want to speak something to you right now. Maybe you're caught in this cycle. Maybe you've been in this cycle for a long time. I hope that no one's at that point where David's at, but maybe you're there. Here's the beauty of the shame cycle. The power of Jesus can break it at any time. At any time. All we have to do is just say, I admit it. I've fallen short. I've missed mark david said i have sinned against the lord and what happens in this moment david pens psalm 51 and he says this in verse 1 he says have mercy on me O god according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions i love david's confession because in his confession there's a truth into it we need to acknowledge how great god is When we confess, it's not a confession for God to leave us, it's a confession to say, he's so good, he's so worthy, he loves me so much, he's not gonna leave me here. says, have mercy on me, blot out my transgressions. We need to confess, confession has two parts. Number one, we confess to God. God, I've missed the mark, I need you. But look at this, In James chapter five says this as well. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what's that word? What's that word? The prayer of a righteous person, person is powerful and effective. <laughs> Confession, there's, a two po- there's two parts to it. You see what we're really doing, we're coming out of the darkness into the light and darkness cannot live in the light. And the reason we confess not only to Jesus, but to someone else in our life, side note, don't confess to everyone, that's weird. But when you have that person in your life, what you are doing, you're putting shame out there in the open. And the shame cannot live in the open. And when shame is in the open, that's when healing begins. Because it's out there in front of you. And God is gr- gracious, gracious, gracious and just to forgive. And I love how, what David says at the end of Psalm 51, in verse 16. He says to God, he says, you do not delight in sacrifice, for I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Look at this. David, I told you, you still a man after God's own heart. You know you can fall short and still be after God's own heart. There's more to the story. It's not over. Listen to this, church. There's more to your story. It's not over but I love what he said because he points us to Jesus. He says, God, I get it, you don't want sacrifice. You know why God doesn't want sacrifice? You know why every single time we fall, we don't gotta go sacrifice something? You know why it's not an eye for an eye? It's because Jesus paid the price. It's because Jesus is more than enough. He says, you, oh God, do not delight or I would bring it. All you want is a broken spirit and a broken heart. And so when we come to God in our brokenness, when we come to God and we just say, I've fallen short, I've messed up, I've missed the mark. God will forgive us and healing can begin. So here's my last point, church, let's stand. Failure isn't final. Failure isn't final. There's no situation too deep because God's love is so great. Whatever situation, whatever you're in right now, whatever cycle you are stuck in, all you have to do is come to Jesus And he's there with open arms every single time. The same way he was there last week when when, when Saul came, when David came out of the cave. God is there with open arms. Listen to this church. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want to make two appeals right now. Because we finished this series, and I believe every single week we've heard the gospel told. We've heard of God's goodness, we've heard of his grace. I'm going to make a call in one second, the call we make every single week. If you want to give your life to Jesus, we want to give you that chance. But I want to make another appeal because God's been working in this series. If there's someone here this morning, you want to take the next step in your walk and you want to get baptized. You want to say publicly in front of everyone, I'm coming out of shame and I'm stepping into the light. If you want to give your life to Jesus in that public way, we want to give you the opportunity. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, I'm gonna give you two ways to do it. Number one, with every head bowed, you just raise your hand. I'll give you a second to raise it. Or you fill out a connect card and just say, I want to get baptized. But if that's you this morning, I don't want to miss this opportunity. So if you want to get baptized really quickly, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, just show me your hand and we'll come talk to you after. If that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can fill out a connect card as well. Amazing. Let's, uh, one more appeal, and then we'll close. You want to give your life to Jesus this morning, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 10th time, you want to take it to the next level with God, we want to give you that opportunity. With every head bowed, every eye closed, all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, what you're saying is, Harrison, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow after him. I'm going to pray. Count me in that prayer. If that's you, when I count to three, one, two, three, just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message was something that you needed to hear. If you have questions about our church, you want more information, maybe you want to get baptized, maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to encourage you, head over to our website, kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to hear from you. We would love to get in contact with you. If you've never been to Kingdom Church, we want to encourage you to plan your visit today. We'd love to meet you. Until next time, take care.